So this is the second half of the podcast. I hope you enjoy. So after the events of January 6th, of course, there were, there were some very adverse effects and there were some, a lot, there were a lot of, you know, there was condemnation of the events from leaders all over the world. Um, so that's, you know, there were reactions from our adversaries, from the United States adversaries, from the United States allies, and for good reason, there five people died in, in those events, and it was very significant, and it's, it was history-making, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, and sadly, two couple police officers have taken their lives following the events on January 6th. Um, so, two, op- two, two capital police officers have committed death by suicide. That's just so horrible and so sad because it could have been so preventable. It was preventable. Those, the, the, the events leading to that Insurrection were fueled by lies, quite frankly. Um, you know, not everyone is willing to accept that, but that's the truth. You know, that's the truth. There were people there for specific political reasons. And you know, that's, it's, it's not really, you can't really deny that. That's really, it was right there. And if you ask the people there, I'm sure that's what they would say, and a lot of them did say that, but, you know, um, let's see, also, before the events of January 6th, so on January 7th, or January 5th, excuse me, two pipe bombs were found in both Democratic and Republican offices, the DNC and the RNC, two pipe bombs on January 5th, there were plans of there in advance, which just, it's, it's so alarming, and something that's, and thankfully that nothing happened as a result of those pipe bombs, but a lot of things could have very, could have surely happened that would have been so catastrophic, but also um, something that's even more disturbing, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say even more disturbing, but something that's equally and equally as disturbing is that a man went to Washington D.C. with 20 rounds of ammunition and a list of lawmakers' names with him. That's just that's just so disturbing in and of itself. Um, in both of these instances, you see that there was an intent. There was a clear goal of what to do and it was planned ahead of time. That's just really concerning on so, so many levels, on epic proportions. But also, um, as a result of the events of January 6th, Arizona, um, 10,000 Arizona, 10,000 Republican Arizona voters have changed their voter IDs because of the events of January 6th. And this is significant because Arizona in the 2020 presidential election was one of the last votes, was one of the last states to 
to verify their votes. And they voted, they, they voted for Joe Biden, but it was very close. And so this is significant because even 10,000 voters, those 10,000 voters who changed their voter IDs, it's not set in stone that they're going to always vote Democrat or Independent or um, what, uh, whatever they may have uh, changed their IDs to. But it's important because those 10,000 votes could have made Arizona red or made Arizona blue. Um, it ended up being blue, but you know, in the future, it could have solidified the, um, the Republican vote in that state. Um, but yeah, Arizona is kind of uh, a battleground state, so that's important to note as well. Um, so, in terms of the impeachment trial, which is set to um, start next week, there have been five Trump impeachment attorneys who have quit so far, and most of them, um, I'd say all of them, presumably, um, didn't want to, um, for, uh, didn't want to proceed with the trial because of ethical reasons and because of, you know, kind of salvaging, trying to salvage their reputation, because the basis of the trial is very just shaky. There isn't really ground, there isn't really real ground for the trial to stand on. Um, as of right now, it's being, um, the trial made, um, the Trump uh, lawyers may argue whether it's even constitutionality, uh, if it's even, um, you know, in the Constitution for um, a former, former president to be impeached or to go uh, along with the, the lie that the election was stolen. Both of those things, um, those notions, I'd say are not true because the uh, we all know that Joe Biden won the election. Um, that's not really up for debate in, um, because there have been 60 court cases that have been thrown out, that have just been rejected um, on the grounds that the, that the 2020 election was stolen because it, it wasn't, because they didn't find any evidence that it was. and. It's important to note too that some of these lawyers that rejected these these cases were lawyers appointed by then former President Trump. So I mean I'd say that that is not a very fair argument and the, in terms of the constitutionality of, in a, of impeaching a former president, there have been some examples throughout history in which this happened. Um, I'm not sure of the specific examples, but I've heard from um, uh, law scholars that, you know, it is constitutional and they can, like it's a real thing. And it brings up the point, you know, if that, if what happened on January 6th wasn't, wasn't impeachable, then what is? It's not fair to say that, you know, that Trump would have been impeached if he had done this six months earlier, if, he, if these events occurred six months earlier. Um, just because his term ended doesn't mean that he should just walk away, you know, and not, and not suffer any of the consequences. What he did was wrong, and he knows it. But, anyway, but, um, 
back to the um, the chicken, back to the lawyer um, part. Trump has named two new lawyers for his defense team. So, um, and there are two lawyers who have been who are known for being pretty controversial. So that's going to be interested to see how. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, we'll talk about it um, and everything that happens. Um, and yeah, so now let's go on to some global news. So, in Russia this weekend and last weekend, there were, there were nationwide protests for Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny um, and for his uh, calling for his release from a detention center that he's being held at. Um, he was poisoned and he almost died. Um, and he claims it was the Kremlin who poisoned him. So that's concerning. Um, he was he was very much going to die if he didn't re- receive that abrupt medical care. But President Biden has um, called for um, has called, or sorry, excuse me, Secretary of State Blinken has has denounced the protest and he's calling he's called the tactics quote harsh. And there were hundreds of demonstrators, and there there were five there were about five thousand demonstrators, and many of them were arrested. About five, sorry. About 5,000 demonstrators and journalists as well uh, that were um, detained as a result, including Navalny's wife. Um, uh, was last time I checked, she was still detained. Um, but that is, um, but I'm not sure if that has changed in a few um, hours since then. But um, yeah, and then as well in Peru, there have been. Um, most of Peru, including its capital Lima, has entered um, uh, uh, um, COVID restrictions and limitations on uh, travel and things like that because of the amount of cases and the increase in cases in Peru. Um, uh, as well, so let's go on to Asia now. In Myanmar, the military has seized power in a coup. And the U.S. is quote alarmed. Um, the leader Aung San Suu Kyi, who um, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but she was um, she was elected in November on November 8th by the people in a very large vote. She won very very much, <laughs> like 80 percent of the population, and she was detained. Um, as a result of the coup, and she, she most notably won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1991. So it's kind of crazy to think that she's being detained as a result of the military in Myanmar. Um, hopefully, everything that goes well there. I hope um, that everything is as peaceful as possible. And now let's go uh, east to China. So there is a question, uh, and 
President Biden has called China out for a genocide of Uyghur Muslims in the region. Um, and this has raised, raised the question of will China be able to host the 2022 Olympic Games? And this is a, the Olympic, um, the 2022 Olympic Games, yes, the Winter Olympics. Um, I personally do not think they should be able to hold the, the games there because it's a, it's a global affair and it's a notable global tradition. Um, but they're committing mass genocide in the country of people based on their religion. Um, that's completely unconscionable and uncomprehensible. Um, I just think that the U.S. and other countries need to take stern action against this, and I think more people need to speak out about this. Um, it's just, it's kind of just happening right under our noses, and like no one smells anything, anything weird going on. I mean, they have the largest population in the world in China, um, and I guess they just can't seem to, you know, comprehend the preciousness of human life, even though they're the largest population center in the world. Um, yeah, that's, it's really upsetting. I actually wrote a whole poem on this because um, it's, a, it's a topic that I really feel strongly about. But, yeah, that's it for the international news. Um, let's go on to now some heartbreaking news. Um, some very influential people have passed away recently, including Hank, Hank Aaron, excuse me. He was a major league baseball player who played from 1954 to 1972, or for 22 years. He, his number was number 44, and he was nicknamed Hammer or Hammer Hank. He died um, on January 22, and his death was not related to COVID-19. He was 87 years old, um, but he's most notably known as hitting the most home runs than any other baseball player in history, and he broke barriers for a lot of black ball players at, um, during his time. Um, and I'll read a little quote from him. He said, "My motto and my motto was always to keep swimming, whether I was in a slump or feeling badly or having trouble off the field." The only thing to do is keep singing. Um, that's really beautiful. Um, I love inspirational quotes. I think you'll all start to realize this. Um, I'll always try to say an inspirational quote at the end. But we're not finished yet. So next up is Larry King. He was an American television and radio host. He hosted over 50,000 interviews. And he also, you know, most notably, hosted the show Larry King Live from 1985 to 2010, or for 25 years. He died on January 23rd, 2021, and he was 88 years old. Um, his uh, uh, quote he is known for is saying, I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything, so if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. Next up is Cicely Tyson. She was 96 years old. She was an actress and fashion model and portrayed strong African women on 
On screen, she broke barriers from black actresses of her time. She was given the Medal of Freedom by President Obama in 2016, and she was known for, uh, for saying, the moment anyone tries to demean or degrade you in any way, you have to know how great you are. Nobody would bother to beat you down if you are not a threat. And lastly, is one that's very dear and deep to in my heart, um, Dustin Diamond, who was famously known for portraying Samuel Scrooge Powers in the show Saved by the Bell. Um, Saved by the Bell was a 90s teen comedy. And I'm actually in the middle of watching the show right now. Diamond was an actor, director, and stand-up comedian who was recently diagnosed with cancer and he was 44 years old. Um, he was known for saying, I'm not a shepherd, not a sheep, and I've always prided myself on being a leader and not a follower. Um, but Dustin Diamond, um, I know him as a, a speech, and a lot of people do. Um, I was, I've, I've actually been recently watching the show Saved by the Bell. It's on Peacock for free, if you're wondering. Um, but it's, I'm actually on the last season, I'm on season five right now. But um, I was really, I was actually watching it this morning, and I heard about this news later the, um, in the day. So it was really heartbreaking. Um, all these people, they have, you know, they were very diverse in what they did, but they all had one common continuity, which was, which is that they left the world a better place than they found it. They all impacted people in different ways, whether it was acting or being a radio host or playing baseball. They all had the blessing of being able to impact the lives of other people and leaving the world a better place than they found it. And you know, that's a goal of mine every day. And I hope that when my time comes, I, I at least, you know, impact the life of at least one person. Um, but yeah, so let's go on. Um, also, I should note Kobe Bryant's um, it was his one-year anniversary, it was the one-year anniversary of his death on January 26th. Um, Kobe Bryant was my absolute favorite um, basketball player for Lakers. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's very nice daily. I remember the day when we found out about his death and his daughter, um, Gigi, as well. We should know that. Um, but, you know, and my heart goes out to the families of all these wonderful people. And Kobe Bryant is, um, and, uh, said, I'll do whatever it takes to win games, whether it's sitting on a bench, waving a towel, handing a cup of water to a teammate, or hitting the game winning shots. Um, that's really beautiful because, you know, it, tells, it shows us, you know, to always be, just to always be a team player, you know, and not always have the spotlight on us all the time but realizing that you know teamwork that actually works is a beautiful thing and it can really lead to amazing things and all these people they were amazing in their very own great ways but they didn't you know they didn't get to where they were as a result of just by themselves and their their 
also hard work. Of course, they worked hard, but they were also, you know, people, I'm sure, that were there with them along the journey. Um, but every episode, I try and share some good news. So, um, first, uh, there was uh, an organ health, there was some organ health workers who gave up free vaccines that were set to expire while they were in um, a snowstorm. So they were stuck in the snowstorm um, on the road and they had some free vaccines that were set to expire so they gave them to some of the people in the lines. And it was a very safe thing because there were healthcare workers and there were other healthcare, um, uh, emergency healthcare people in the line as well. So if something were to happen or go wrong, they knew what they were doing. Um, uh, uh, also, there was a London man in, in the hospital for 306 days, but he has thankfully recovered. That's just so, that's, that's just so amazing and wonderful. He's been in the hospital for 306 days. Almost a year, almost a year, he probably went in the hospital um, in February and March um, last year. I'm so thankful that he's okay. Um, also, there were there are snowstorms across the U.S. Um, and you know that wouldn't really be considered a good thing to most people. But there was snow in some unexpected places like in Las Vegas. I know it's hard to believe, but trust me, I saw it with my own eyes. There was snow, it was beautiful. Um, there are some heavy snowstorms in the uh, northeast and midwest of the US, so I hope everyone stays safe. And also, lastly, happy Black History Month. It is February 1st, and every episode I try and um, tell you a little, about, a little bit about um, uh, black hero who, um, who broke barriers, who affected the lives of people in a positive way and give you some, some things to think about. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you come back for another episode. I really appreciate you listening. Um, this was, again, this was the first, uh, this was two weeks worth of news, so it was extra long. But I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, all those people that I mentioned, I hope they, I'm, I'm glad um, that, you know, they're in a better, in, in a better place now. And anyone has lost family member due to COVID-19, my heart really goes out to you. Um, they're in a better place. Um, you know, at least their suffering is over. Um, I know it's hard to think so positively such a hard time for so many people across the world. You know, I hope I can be that positive positivity in the day for you and in your week. I really try and stay positive for myself and my own mental health, but um, for those of others and the people I love as well. So that's it for me. I really hope you enjoyed. I'm Sabrina and this is Second Scoops. Bye-bye. everyone, I'm your stellar host Sabrina and this is Second Scoops, 
a podcast where I talk about the headlines of the week in an effective and efficient manner. My goal is to put a positive spin on the week's news and be accepting of all political views along the way. This is the very first first episode of Second Scoops and I'm so glad you could join me. This week's title is Historic Beginnings, Heartbreaking Ends, Stocks, Snowstorms, and Mittens. If that title doesn't tickle your fancy even a little bit, I don't know what will. Um, This is a very special episode of Second Scoops because um, it is the very first one, but also because it's a convergence of two weeks worth of news, so it might be more lengthy than usual. My goal is to make episodes that really summarize the week's news efficiently and positively, so hopefully that's um, what I do, and I hope you get something out of this and you enjoy. So first, let's start on the national level. Um, uh, President, now President Biden and um, (laughs) Vice President Kamala Harris were inaugurated on January 20th. It was a very historic day for a multitude of reasons. Um, first being um, just the the conditions in which, honestly, just being the fact that they were inaugurated on the first place, because obviously, um, as we all know, it's very the country is very divided in a lot of ways, and the fact that they were even inaugurated is significant. Um, that's kind of crazy to think, but it really is, and also because. Of course, Vice President Kamala Harris is the first woman, the first person of uh, black descent, the first person of Asian, um, South Asian descent. Um, so that's so exciting. That's so encouraging um, to, to me personally, it really is, um, but also to so many other people. and. During the inauguration, I had school that day, so um, I'm still on online school, so it was kind of, I didn't really see the full um, day's events, but I can name a few things that were very, um, that stuck out to me personally. So there was a very amazing poem called, called The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman. And she is a wonderful, wonderful young black woman poet, and her her her, her poem was so so amazing. It really touched me personally, and I just I would just like to read a little excerpt from it. And it says, "We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover, and every in, and every known nook of our nation, and every." corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful, we will emerge battered and beautiful. When days when day comes we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light, if only we are brave enough to see it, if only we are brave enough to be it. And those words alone I think just summarize the immense talents of this young woman. She really, really, truly inspired me. I personally really love writing, and I actually wrote a poem um, inspired by her that very day. Um, I uh, relate to her in a lot of ways, 
and it was it was so amazing to hear her words it, it really sparked something inside of me and I think it did for a lot of young people across this country and around the world too because you know we're really growing up in a time that's so unprecedented um, unprecedented and you know different from those before us and I think we can have we have a lot of experiences that aren't so normal and that we can really write about um, and it's not only writing but there are so many other different forms and mediums of expressing oneself um, uh, that can really be beautiful and I thought that was a very that was one of the highlights of the inauguration um, hands down 100% for me it really was um, as well there um, as in the title you heard the word mittens and that's referring to Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Um, <laughs> uh, he was wearing uh, mittens and he looked very cozy. It was kind of a chilly, I believe, in uh, D.C. on the day of the inauguration. Um, but yeah, he was just all bundled up and sitting there so un... He was just so unfazed and so just you know, just doing his thing, and that picture, um, in Munich and kind of blew up, um, it went pretty viral, and I, fe I feel like for good reason, too, I mean, he's pretty, I mean, I feel like he's pretty well-liked among younger, younger people and younger voters, especially, so, I mean, and the good thing is that he's sending all the pro proceeds to charity, so that's really amazing as well. Um, so, that kind of sums up the inauguration I think um, it was a really historic day also um, my bad let me add it was also a, um, historic because there were a few new senators um, uh, um, and admitted into Congress and they were very they were historic in themselves one being uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock of Georgia he's the first black um, Senator from Georgia, as well as Senator John Ossoff. He's the first Jewish man to be, um, Jewish person to be elected to Georgia Senate. Um, uh, yeah, um, also there was, oh my bad, there was also a Senator from, Senator Padilla from, uh, California that is actually replacing, um, that is replacing Vice President Harris's seat in California. So, uh, a black man, a Jewish man, and a Latino man all in, um, all uh, sworn into Congress um, that week as well. So it was definitely a week of diversity and history making glass shattering <laughs> times um, for sure, definitely. So now we'll move on to the other big news in the United States and of course around the world which is the coronavirus and this is February 1st right now it's the it's a new month uh, but sadly January was officially the 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 deadliest month of the pandemic so far um close to 100,000 people died in January alone um that's so so heartbreaking and you know if you or someone you know has been affected by 
the pandemic and has lost a loved one, my heart really goes out. Um, I, it's really, it's really so heartbreaking. So the cases right now are at 26 million. Um, the deaths are sadly at 439,000. And the, but there's, you know, there's some good news too. Thankfully, there, the total amount of vaccines administered are 32 million, and that's only about two percent of the population. But nevertheless, it is better than the vaccine distribution of the former administration. And yeah, so that's a really good sign. Um, also, uh, um, the cases have fallen below 100,000 um, these last few days in more than two months. So since December 1st, the cases have been over 100,000 every single day. And that has finally come down, which is another piece of hope that we can cling on to. Um, another thing that's um, very encouraging with the vaccine is that there was a study, a study that shows that schools may reopen safely, but they desperately need help from the federal government in terms of vaccines for teachers and students and on um, other resources such as you know uh, like windows and sanitation facilities and there's just a multitude of things that need to be considered when trying to reopen schools and i'm on online school right now and I know there are there are so many reasons why we need to reopen schools. I completely agree. Personally, I've been kind of doing well on online school. I know that's not the experience for a lot of people, and you know my heart goes out to those who you know, um, those who just who get a decent meal at school, um, and who can't get that at home, or those who you know are in who experience bad you know, or experience abuse at home and, you know, school was kind of a safe haven for them or those who just, you know, kind of miss their friends and their, t their teachers and that personal um, connection. Um, I haven't really been seeing that many adverse effects of online learning. I personally, I found it helpful to me because I, I'm at a new school this year, so um, I don't really know anyone, so I don't really need that um that per, uh, personal connection with friends and teachers as other people were kind of dependent on last year but yeah nevertheless that is a good study and that study shows hope and optimism um but also there are some other things with uh the coronavirus so california has been a state that's been really hard hit by the coronavirus um, many times it's just, and the population is very very large so you know if there is you know community spread that's a issue that's an area of um, concern nevertheless though the cases are seeming to come down and so they have ended the regional stay-at-home order but deaths continue to surge and they have opened restaurants to 50% capacity. So there's 
like two sides to this story or this coin if you want to think of it that way so the cases are continuing to decrease and come down but the deaths are surging and they're continuing to rise um, in California however they're opening the restaurants to 50% capacity and of course that's important for small businesses who are really struggling during this time but at the same time there's you know a virus going around and you know it might not be the safest or the smartest thing to do given the circumstances um but you know that's up to the, go the governor and the other health officials in california i just hope everything goes well i'm kind of just here to report the news i don't really i mean i have my opinions but you know, I just hope everything goes well with that. Um, also, there's an, uh, there's more very hopeful news. Johnson and Johnson has filed is going to file for emergency authorization use pretty soon. It's expected, and this um, vaccine only requires one dose, which is different from the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that require two doses. This uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine is also um, uh, not needed to be in such high or low, such low temperatures such as the other vaccines. So it does make it a lot more convenient uh, in terms of the one, only one dose and the um, temperature requirements. Um, this vaccine though, it is less effective um, in terms of its efficacy compared to the Pfizer and Moderna. However, it is very good on, um, in terms of preventing severe illness and hospitalization as well as death. So, you know, there's two sides to that as well. But I mean, nonetheless, it's, it's, it's encouraging news. Um, but what, um, there's also some sad news unfortunately um nine children with covid 19 symptoms died in remote in a remote um, um part of brazil in the amazon forest um nine children and you know i was just talking about schools reopening and you know although children here in the u.s haven't been infected as much the reality is that some children do get infected and they do get severely ill and they do unfortunately die um there isn't ever no risk involved there's always going to be some risk when you know we go outside into the world with this wax or with this um with this disease like just floating around so um that's really unfortunate um I, my heart goes out to the families of those nine children um, also, um, let's go to Europe now. Um, France has banned departures and arrivals from outs from uh, countries outside of the EU. So that's very significant because the European Union has been struggling with um, the virus recently and has been struggling with vaccine distribution. So, I mean, I hope everything goes well there. And uh, let's go a couple countries over to Italy. 
and Italy has actually eased their COVID-19 restrictions, which is significant because they, um, if you remember, they were one of the hardest hit countries in Europe early on in the pandemic. So if they're easing restrictions, that hopefully means that things are getting better, which is promising. Um, last thing on the coronavirus, COVAX has which is an which is a vaccine distribution company has delivered vaccines to 92 developing countries and that's really amazing because you know there has been vaccine um disproportionality um in terms of the countries that get the vaccine and the countries that don't so obviously third world countries they typically have lesser um lesser virus and less people with the virus and deaths but that doesn't mean that the people don't deserve the, to get the vaccine and be protected and you know if the outbreak if the coronavirus were to were to um um outbreak in those regions they would be really severely devastated because they don't have the proper um medical medical procedures and medical equipment to handle a virus this um a virus this deadly so that's really amazing that they're delivering 92 vaccine um vaccines excuse me it's 92 developing countries that's really amazing and significant um but an example of the vaccine uh disproportionality that i was talking about earlier is in canada so Canada, thankfully, has been pretty well with the pandemic since its start. The population of Canada is about 38 million, and they, compared to the U.S., which is more than 30, 330 million, so that's a very big um, difference. But the U.S. has um, purchased a lot of vaccines um, for good reason, too, because obviously they have... We, they have the biggest um the biggest amount of cases and deaths in the entire world so that's justified um in canada though they have enough they have bought enough vaccines to inoculate the population five times over and although that's great and you know it's good to be prepared there are other countries in latin america and the caribbean that desperately need the vaccines um and their populations are really suffering even more than that in canada and they don't have enough vaccines to you know inoculate their population so there's definitely um discrepancies in that and you know i just hope they can be solved because no one deserves to not get the vaccine just because they live in a certain part of the world you know, this is a pandemic, which means the entire world is going through the same thing. So they need the same resources. You know, everyone should everyone should be able to get the vaccine if they want to. And, you know, in the U.S., that's not really the case right now. But hopefully that will be soon. Um, I know someone who has actually been offered the vaccine recently because they work in a school environment um and that person was pretty 
you know, hesitant and asked for my my opinion. And I said, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, they're safe vaccines. So, you know, if you have the opportunity, I'd say go for it. It's good to be protected and try and, you know, curb this pandemic. So that's all the news on the coronavirus. Now let's move on to some more national news. So after the events of January 6th, of course, there were there were some very adverse effects and there were some a lot, there were a lot of, you know, there was condemnation of the events from leaders all over the world. Um, 